0: Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. Good to have you with us today. We're starting a new series in First Peter. It's going to be our summer series. First Peter, three key words. You ready? Suffering, grace, and glory. Those are three key words in Peter. We're going to see how with grace, suffering always results in glory. You're going to enjoy this summer. It's going to be a good summer. Come on, let's get into the word. Hey, we're starting a new series, and it's uh, on the book of First uh, Peter. That's what it's on. We need the stage hands. You can be my stage hand, honey. I'll be your stage hand. There's a song. I want you to do something for me, though. I want you to read First Peter, not just little bits of it, but read through the whole thing. It's not a very long book. It's a short book. But it's kind of like, if you get a letter from somebody, you're not going to read, like, you know, three or four paragraphs at a time. You're going to read the whole thing. You want to read the whole thing through. And First Peter is a, is a letter. It's a letter to you. It's a, well, really, it's not a letter to you. Peter wrote to a very specific group of people. It was written to somebody else, but it's written for you, and that you can really learn, and you can have application you know, from this letter if you deal with it in context. Say context. You know, if you take the text and the con, if you take the text out of con text, all you have is con. So you want to make sure you keep it in context. There's a lot of people that get caught because they don't do context. But I'm going to go quickly through this because I just want to introduce this to you. I'm just hoping to get you an appetite to read through this because it's a great book. I think it's relevant today and it's it's a book that we're going to look at. So 1 Peter is considered the Job of the New Testament, not the job. Not the job of the New Testament, but it's the Job of the New Testament. My dad used to always say, you know why the hippie wouldn't read the book of Job? Because he thought it meant job, you know, and that was just a bad joke, right? It doesn't make sense now. It was kind of upsetting back then, so uh, like I said. Anyways, (laughs) thank you, Madeline. I appreciate that. All right. So it's a letter designed to give people a living hope in a time of struggle to turn trials into triumph. So if you're going through a trial, you're going through a difficulty, you're going through some period where you feel like you're unjustly suffering, Peter is a book that's written for those circumstances to help you and bring you through to victory. So that's what it's all about. So here's three key words found throughout the book. Grace is found in every single chapter, but suffering, grace, and glory. And it's really in that order in suffering, there is grace that'll transform it all into glory. And that's really, that's a summary of the whole book as far as I can see. Boom. When you are in a place of suffering, you embrace the grace of God in that place, and you will turn any tragedy, any trial, into a triumph and into a glorious thing. So suffering, grace, and glory. So that's a theme we're going to go through. So our identification with God's family empowers us to overcome difficulties and trials because we have the assurance of a living hope. Not, Not I hope something will happen, but there is a living hope, a powerful, aggressive, living hope that is working in me with expectation and confidence that this is going to turn around quickly because I have a better end. I have a better realization. I have a living hope that is moving me towards a specific end, which is God's glory in every circumstance of my life. So that's what we're talking about. We're going to dig into Peter. We're going to look all through this and it's going to touch areas in your life that they're going to be transformed from trial to triumph. And you're going to walk in glory. How many think that'll be a good summer? Yeah, I'm, look, I'm really looking forward to it too. So I love when we teach through a whole book. It's really, really good. So we're not pulling from all over the place, but we're going through a book and digging into the purpose for which the Holy Spirit has, has revealed it to us and given it to us. So now here's a picture. I don't know if the if the camera guys can get one of the cameras to maybe close up on it because not everybody can see that. I'll have to get back to some different habits of, of where I put my notes back on the TriCaster. All these shifts, we're closed, we're open, we're closed, we're open, we're back, we're in, we're out. I mean, those, things, it's just all these different ways of preparation, I got to finally settle on one, but this is a picture, that guy right there is actually me, so uh, is that not a close-up? Can you guys get a close-up? Are you able to get a close-up of that picture? Are you working on it? You guys are the best. Just give it up for the media team, say you're the best. They're good folks. All right, so they're trying to zoom in on that, so that's really, really good. So uh, this guy over here, that's actually me sitting in the front. What was the pastor's name again? You can't remember him? See, it was in Cedra and I, I thought his name was like Roberto or something but uh, anyway this this is a pastor right here and this is actually his home and his home the whole front end of his home was gutted and at the back he had a little kitchen and a bedroom and a bathroom and that was it and he had a whole family I mean he had all his kids he had his kids and his wife and and they turned their home into a church now we went I had a religious visa to go down this week Cuba doesn't give a lot of religious visas but I applied for one and I was granted it so I got to go speak at an National conference for a a whole organization in Cuba. They came from all over the island. It was amazing. And I got to speak there, and I I had the legal right to do it. They couldn't arrest me or shut down the meetings because I had paperwork saying, You granted me uh, the privilege to speak publicly. It was so awesome. And we had a fantastic conference, so many healings. And uh, we went to this place. And why I'm showing you this picture is because this is his home. And we went for a day, and we were building another home across the street, and another home. And we were, you know, trying, and the tools they had, they weren't tools. It was like crazy. It was awful, the things that they were trying to build with and pour concrete and things. So I said, so what are you building over here? I said, are you going to build this, this for your home and, and leave that as the church? He said, oh no, I'm building this over here because the government will take that home from me. I went, what? He said, oh yeah, he says, whenever I have a home, I'm always building another home because you're not allowed to build churches in Cuba. If a church existed, it can stay a church. After the revolution, if a church was before the revolution, that church could stay standing, but there'll be no more churches built ever. And they figured they would wash Christianity right out of the nation by instructing the children that it's rubbish. So they said, we'll let those, but the church I preached in still had bullet holes all in the front doors and things like that. Cause they had times where, you know, the, they locked the doors, the, you know, the soldiers did come and shoot at the doors and disperse the meetings, but we had good meetings. But so this was his house. This was the, this was the third time. Actually, this would be the fourth house across the road, but he'd already had two homes completely taken from him. He'd already twice had the government come and and lock the doors, kick him out of his own home, and they took everything from him. And here he was, so happy. He lost everything already twice, and he is preparing to lose everything again. And I was like, oh my goodness. I, 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 think about it. How many of you, you know, the government's going to come and take your home from you, and you're going to get thrown on the street, and you'll go, praise Jesus. This guy was so happy. We went and visited uh, a few years later and just went and, and spoke with them. And then the third time we went, we just went out on mopeds just to say hi. And he was so mad. He said, where have you been? I was like... But in this building right here, that's that's actually, that's uh, uh, Leanne Cote, right there. That's Leanne Cote. We got some people from the church back here. We had another group went to build another church and a home, build a home, and another group went to build another home after we did this big conference. But in this building right here, right there, we had a woman come up and I prayed for her and then she was like, seemed pretty excited. I went, wow, what happened to her? She says, well, she was blind, but now she sees. I went, I was like what? I was like that's pretty cool. So they were all like wow, the the blind lady who just got totally healed. I was like I literally was like no. Yeah, I went, no. They went, yeah, I went, wow. I was like, that's pretty awesome. I tell you, we had so many miracles that week. It was ridiculous. But you know, here's a group of people. And the church is vibrant. The church is growing in Cuba. The church is alive. The people are happy. And yet they live under this kind of oppression all the time. They live under suffering. They live under difficulty. He never knows when they might come, knock on the door and say, all right, we put up with you folks enough kick you out of your home but he's ready he's ready to go across the road isn't that great you know because this book of Peter it's it has a context and see this book when when this was written they lived in the Roman Empire and in the Roman Empire you couldn't send an email to Nero and say hey dude I don't like your policies I'm kind of annoyed at the way you're running the world if you did they would take you dip you in oil impale you and use you as a lantern for their next barbecue That's what happened. And so you might go, wow, this book... It doesn't have any relevance to me. It might have a little bit of relevance to this guy. This guy was experienced what it really meant to suffer for your faith, to live your faith openly and in public and regularly have everything taken from you. My translator, uh, he would go out and he would preach in public, and instead of saying Jesus, he would say joy. And he would use the word joy because you can't use the name Jesus in public, but he would go out and preach joy. He got thrown in jail all the time, but he said, it's a great joy to get thrown in jail For sharing Jesus, and I'm like, man, what am I doing here? I mean, you guys don't need me. I mean, you guys are just giving it for Jesus. But what a privilege it was to encourage people that were in a real difficult place. So when you read Peter, you got to understand the context. I mean, good luck raising up a couple placards and let's let's go protest. We don't like Nero and his government. Go ahead, You'll, you'll all be beheaded. But thank God we're in a culture where it's free. And thank God it's free. And I want it to always be free. And I want it to always be free for everybody. Thank God I can send an email and say, I don't like what's going on. Thank God I can actually stand for my rights. And somebody, I'm not concerned that somebody's going to come and arrest me and I'm going to lose my life. But this is the culture they lived in. This is what was going on. So when you read 1 Peter, you have to understand that these were people living in a place where they didn't even know what democracy was. Could you ever imagine that we could all freely go vote we could all I mean that that was that was a pipe dream I mean they actually had no concept of it we had always been under totalitarian rule and we just did as we were told I mean even if you were a slave and you came to Jesus you went to Paul's place and he said there's no slaves in the kingdom but when you go back home be the best slave you can to your master Well, that sounds like a horrible thing. I mean, Paul, do you agree with slavery? He's not saying he agrees with slavery, but he says we live in a context, we live in a culture that is broken and messed up. And you know, we're going to reach this culture through the grace of God. And we're going to reach this culture by being the very best in a situation where we are. Even those people who persecute us and beat us and cause our suffering, we're going to serve them in our suffering. And we're going to win the world by God's grace being manifest in trials and difficulties. And we're going to manifest that God is who he says he is, even if you kill me. So I don't think we even have a clue about the book of First Peter, what's going on there. But I hope you read it, and I hope you get involved, and I hope you realize that even in things that you think are suffering, he still wants to minister grace to you. Hallelujah. I'm going to go quickly. All right. Can I do that? Just going to go real quick. Now, that's our friends there. First Peter, a couple of verses I like. Some of my favorite verses. You love him passionately, although you have not seen him, but through believing in him, you are saturated with ecstatic joy, indescribable, sublime, and immersed in glory. For you are reaping the harvest of your faith, the full salvation of your soul, your soul's victory. I mean, this is Peter writing to people that are going through a horrible time, and he's telling them, man. Man, I tell you, even though you haven't seen Jesus, even though you haven't had an eye to eye with him, yet you believe in him, and you're saturated. See, believing in Jesus does something to you. Believing in Jesus, is not just, I believe in him. But when you do that, when you make that faith exchange, something comes rushing towards you. It's the joy of the Lord. It's the ecstatic manifestation of who he is, and we love him because although I don't see him, I see him, and I perceive him in my spirit, and he tangibly has been made alive to me. And oh, doesn't my soul rejoice at the revelation of that? Thank you. Amen. We'll always save you a seat on the front row. All right. 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are God's chosen treasure. You are priests and kings. You're a spiritual nation. You've been set apart by God's, as to God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience. He called you to an experience. He called you out of darkness so you could feel, touch, enjoy, embrace, have a living revelation of his marvelous light. And now he has claimed you as his very own. And he did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. The world. And he's gonna talk about that. He's, Peter's gonna talk about how you can do that, how in the midst of your suffering, the things going on in your life, he's gonna talk about how you can, through those trials and struggles, how you can manifest the grace of God. We're gonna do that over this summer. Say, yes, I'm so excited. Yes. Alright, fantastic. Second Peter 2:7. I love this. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious. Oh, let me read that again for you. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. Precious is used a lot in Peter. Interesting. Second, in the Passion Translation, it says, as believers, you know, you know, you yada, you, you've come to tangibly experience his worth, and indeed, his preciousness has been imparted to you. He, he is He is precious. He is precious to you who believe. There's been an impartation of his worth and a revelation, knowledge of his preciousness. And he has become precious to you. Just turn to your neighbor and say, he's precious. Isn't that great? A couple of my favorite verses right there. Oops. Colossians 13.3 talks about faith, hope, and love, and these abide. And Paul, he was like the apostle of faith, you know, believing, faith alone. He was the apostle of faith. And John, he was the apostle of love. He taught about love and the love and the relationship with the Father. Peter is the apostle of hope. Peter, in a difficult time, he wants you to know that it's not hope that we hope it gets better, but the hope that says, I am absolutely assured that things are shifting for me, and this is not my end, but I am down to a life of glory, and a life of victory, and Peter will bring you into that all the time, so Paul, he was into like Discovery Channel, he was into History Channel, he was kind of into all that stuff, John, John was like HGTV, and uh, Hallmark, he's kind of into those, but but Peter, he was my kind of guy, because Peter, Peter, he had the Sports Channel, you know, Velocity, UFC Channel, Peter was my kind of guy, you know what I mean, I want Paul, I mean, Paul's so amazing, his revelation is so good, but I don't I don't know, I got a bit of affinity to Peter because he was just, yeah, baby. You know, this is my, but Peter. So so we're gonna look at the first two verses and the last three verses really quick and three things I want you to see. There's an author, there's an audience, and there's an application. So in this book, there's an author, it's Peter the Apostle. There's an audience, it's, it's believers who are scattered and believers who are new believers in, in different places throughout a specific region, but also there's an application and the application is clearly said. He declares clearly why he wrote this book and he wrote this book for this application, True Grace Works. That's why he wrote the book. Peter, First Peter, he wrote First Peter to tell you that grace, true grace, real grace, it really, really works in every circumstance of your life. I like a pastors act tied grace, the grace of giving. You see, everything we do, it's grace. And grace is the whole thing. And Peter says, even in suffering, true grace turns suffering into grace. Thank you. Let me do it again. True grace always turns suffering into glory. Thank you. Wow, that was good. All right, good, good. People on the screen want to know there's people in the room. Amen. Yeah. The real live audience we got alive. Well, it's 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 yeah, it's alive. I think I don't know if it's lively, but you know, First Peter one one. You ready? Here we go. From Peter, an apostle. Peter, an apostle, an apostle, a pioneer, a sent one, a father, a, a builder of churches, a breakthrough ministry that takes the gospel in the community. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ appointed by the anointed one, he says to, who's it to? It's to the chosen ones who've been scattered like seed. I love that. Our Friday morning prayer meeting, I read this. And somebody said, that's so cool that, that, you know, he he sees us as seed planted throughout the earth, seed that is going to bear fruit of righteousness and glory and revelation. So it's to the chosen, to those who've been scattered like seed into the nations, living as refugees, living as strangers, living as aliens, living as people who just, we don't long here we're strangers in this place called earth living in where in pontus in galatia and cappadocia and throughout the roman provinces of asia and bithynia so he was talking to all the people in what is now turkey say turkey If you look at Turkey, all of this, he's talking to people, he's ministering to people, he had a fathership relationship with this group of people in Turkey, and he said, man, some painful times might be coming, because things are getting weird over here in Rome, and he's writing to them and saying, man, I want you to be prepared, because if you go through some difficulties, if suffering comes our way, let the grace of God erupt in your life, and let it be so powerful that it turns every trial into the glory of God. Hey, it's going to be a good summer. It's going to be a really good summer, I'm telling you. So Peter was originally Simon. Simon means the reed, the blow in the wind, but rock. He was changed to rock and upon this rock, the rock of Revelation. He was one of Jesus' inner circle. There were the three who did the Mount of Transfiguration. There was the three who exclusively went into some places where he healed people. The three were like his inner circle. Peter was one of those guys. Peter got out of the boat. Peter's the one who said, if it's you, Jesus, I want to walk on water. Tell me to come. He's the one who walked on water. He was a poor fisherman. He should have had the fisherman channel back then. <laughs> How many watched the fishing channel? Peter clearly was a fisherman, but but whenever you saw Peter in the Bible, he was not catching fish. Which is really strange, you know. I, I think he was probably more of a boater than a fisherman. But, but when Jesus showed up, he had miraculous catches. So amazing stuff. Peter was an expert at cutting off ears. He, when they came to arrest him, Jesus, Peter went, "Hey!" And Jesus went, "Oh, Peter!" And he picked up the ear and put it back on his head. <laughs> and they still arrested Jesus. You know what I mean? I would have gone. That was pretty cool. Put an back on his head. That was pretty awesome. And they still arrested him. Peter denied Jesus but he was restored. I mean, Peter denied Jesus. He said, I'm never going to deny you. Then he denied him with curses. And then he felt awful, but Jesus restored him. And literally less than two months later, Peter stood up and he preached the gospel. He preached the gospel of the kingdom under the power of the Holy Ghost. First person to do it. Amazing, right? You would figure somebody who was such a wreck of a life. How could you use him? You know, that's a great story for us right now. No matter where you think you are, God can use you and do powerful things through you because you know what? He'll qualify you for greatness. Absolutely. Look look at me. I mean, my goodness, look at me. I mean, wow, amazing what God can do. He can make you look smart, really smart. So Peter was the one who preached there at Pentecost. Acts 4.13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, and they marveled. That word means they were idiotus. That's the Greek word is idiotus, where we get the word idiot. So they were saying, these guys are idiots. He says, and yet they marveled at them. They said they realized they've been with Jesus. You know, when you've been with Jesus, you're in a relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus will make you look like a genius. Amen? Amen. If you've been with Jesus lately, i will telling you, it's amazing what that relationship does. So it's written about 63 AD. In July AD of 64, there was an awful fire in Rome, and Nero chose to blame it on the Christians. It was Nero. It was all about him. But he thought, i got to hang this on somebody. Those Christian people are acting a bit weird. Let's say they did it. And right then, a persecution started that several... Uh, other uh, emperors decided that, you know, persecuting Christians was a good idea. They got thrown to the lions. They got put on spits and roasted. Just horrible stuff happened to Christians and some terrible suffering. A time of persecution began in the uh, Roman world. So scattered, the word parapedimos is uh, aliens that came alongside. Residents who were foreigners. Pilgrims, strangers, but they now live among us. So you are people who are strange to this place. Now it doesn't mean it's believers, both Jews and Gentiles, who though, who through being reborn into the kingdom of God find themselves as strangers in this present culture strangers in this present culture. So they are new converts, and they're also scattered Jews. Jews who left Jerusalem were scattered throughout the empire. But you had both. You, and it's in the text, you'll see that he's talking to Jews and to Gentiles. He says it right in the text. And so he's talking to both of these groups, and he's saying, you have now become a part of the kingdom of God. And because you've been reborn, he talks about being reborn into the kingdom of God, you've become strangers to the culture that you're in. You don't look like the people around you. You you probably dress the same. You, you know, eat the same food and all all that stuff nothing's changed that way but your appetite for righteousness your things have shifted in your life your desire to serve to love to care to forgive to honor to bless suddenly it's flowing out of you like a river and you're not you don't look like you're from around here I don't know where you're from but the culture you manifest is so radically different from the culture around us You see, that's what happens with us. That's where it could be like us. We're not weirdos or creeps, but you know what? Because we live a wonderful, caring, gracious, loving life, that life is in contradiction to a selfish culture that seems to be getting more selfish all the time. But when they run into generosity and grace and how can I serve you, how can I love you instead of how can I fight with you, that seems strange to people, and people react in weird ways to strange things. How are you guys doing? All right, we're going rapidly. Say rapidly, Pastor. First Peter, second verse, it says, you are not forgotten. So here's the part of the message. Listen, you're not forgotten. When you start going through a hard time, don't think, God, don't you forget about me? You are not forgotten, for you have been chosen and destined by the Father. This is so great. Somebody who feels disconnected or, or, or alone or lost in a difficulty, he says, you're chosen by the Father. Father God has chosen you. He's chosen you. He's chosen you. He's chosen you. Father has chosen you. He's not about you Before the foundation of the earth, his heart was nuts and crazy. You've never lived an unloved moment. The Father has chosen you. He's chosen you. The Holy Spirit has set you apart to be God's holy ones. Obedient followers of Christ who have been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. I love this. You ready? Right here in in the yellow. In the yellow right there. Look what it says. May God's delightful grace and peace cascade over you many times over. We just sang that song, grace comes like a wave pouring over me. Grace over and over and over. I love that song. Because I can just see wave after wave like standing under a massive fountain. I mean, somebody on my call on Friday said, it's like, I just had a vision of being in Niagara Falls and grace coming on me. I go, well, that's a bit intense. You know? You'd be there for a minute. <laughs> but God's delight, his grace and his peace cascade over you many times over. I'm shouting because there's an exclamation mark I'm trying to be authentic to the text. Hey, hey, I just got myself excited right there. This is Peter talking to people going through a hard time. Embrace the grace of God. It's rushing towards you, even in your worst moment, no matter what's going on in your life. God has not forgotten you. The Father has chosen you. The Spirit has set you apart. You're sprinkled by the blood of Jesus and the delightful, wonderful grace and peace of God are cascading over you. Memorize that verse. Let it rip you open every day. Woo! Wow, I'm getting a bit excited. I, I might get a sweat on. I don't know. You're chosen by the Father, positioned for use by the Holy Ghost, righteous by the blood of Jesus. The power to obey is in the blood. The whole Godhead is involved in preparing us to manifest this kingdom to a broken world. Hallelujah. Oops, I went the wrong way. All right. 1 Peter 5. Here's the last few verses. By Sylvanus or Silas. He says, Peter says, I didn't write this. I actually dictated it to Silas. He wrote it down. He says that he's written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying you, that this is the true grace of God in which you stand and he's wrapping up the whole message here's why I wrote it I wrote it I wrote this so that this is the true grace of God in which you now stand this whole thing and it's not it's not hard to figure out he made it really clear you don't have to have 45 degrees in theology to figure out that Peter wrote this book so that you could walk in you could experience and you could enjoy the true grace of God that's why the sermon series is called true grace one. You know, it came from the book itself. I'm not making this up. The true grace of God. She who was in Babylon. Babylon was a type of Rome. So he's saying she was in Rome. Elect together. She being the body of Christ. Believers here. We greet you. So does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus, amen. Four responses to a hostile culture. Number one, you can withdraw from it. We've had sects that have done that. We've had groups that have just decided that we're gonna pull out. We're gonna detach ourselves. I was out at Zach's place yesterday and a Mennonite buggy pulled in with a bunch of donuts and dropped off some donuts and I actually didn't get to eat one, which was unfortunate. But uh, I was like, so cool. I was actually, I wanted to ride the buggy and Cheryl said that wouldn't be appropriate. I said, but it looks so cool. But anyways, but there's a group of people that have pulled out a culture for religious reasons they believe that God wants them to come out from among them and be separate and so some people that's how they deal when when culture gets hostile and you don't like what's going on let's separate amen let's go buy a big property up north get a few generators and let's get out of this place right come on if they all want to be miserable losers if they want to persecute us and and they want to try and restrict us we're leaving town goodbye cruel world Hey, I read that blog the other week and I went, my God. Some people still think that's the way to do it. Number two, we could blend in. Let's blend in. Let's not rock the boat. Let's just kind of blend in. Hey, you know, we're looking a bit different from them. We do things a bit different. That's, we don't want to cause any problems. So let's blend in. Amen. No, we don't want to do that. That's not, not the solution. We, in fact, you know what? It's impossible to do that because the grace of God is working something in your life that is otherworldly. It's the kingdom of God. And you just can't blend in. Well, Let's go to war with them then, all right? Let's pick a fight. I'm sick of this, right? You know what? You know how you overcome another mob? Get a bigger mob. If their mob's a big mob, if they're shouting, you know what? If they're going to shout, let's shout louder, had that once out here in the parking lot. Had a guy came and he's just all weirded out and caused a bunch of grief at one of our comedi- community meals. We had to move him out. And he just went, ah, da, 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 da. So I just walked over. Ah! I said, okay, your turn. Go ahead. And He went, what? I went, go ahead, your turn. Oh, my turn again? Okay. Ah! I went, okay, your turn. He said, what are you doing? I went, oh, I thought we were just having a... F- shouting competition. I'm really good at it. You ready? Go ahead. You went. I'm not shouting. Oh, good. Then that's awesome. I win. (laughs) But it really, it stopped the guy, you know, but, but I think we sometimes, I see in our Christian circles in our world that, that we think the best way is to use carnal vehicles, use the same weapons the world is using to try to beat them up with the good news of God. And uh, it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty to the tearing down of strongholds. And see, we got spiritual weapons. We got weapons. World. And you know, what? I don't know if people really believe because Peter is saying in a group of people that were really being persecuted, couldn't send an email, couldn't put a poster on their Facebook, you know, couldn't put a sign on the front lawn. The only way they could fight was let the grace of God overflow my life. Wow, what what if we look to the Bible for the patterns of how to deal with what's going on in the world? Nah, let's keep on getting our patterns from the world. Join my new Facebook blog. Ah! I don't know if we really believe that what the Bible says to do works. I don't know. Love your enemy? I'm not so sure about that one. You know, bless those who persecute you? Eh, I'm not so sure. And yet, Peter's going to show you that the example that we appeal to is the example of Christ, who the way he fought, it looked horrible, it looked like a miserable ending, and yet what we didn't understand was something we thought was weakness, that's why the Jews can't stand it, it's weakness, that's why the Greeks say it's foolishness, but to those who are being saved, it's the glory of God. And you see, we get to enter into and we get to join into the sufferings of Christ so that glory might be revealed. Hey, we're going to have a really fun summer. Yeah. You know, because you know what, we're going to express true grace, and we're going to see that grace is going to change a hostile culture. I actually really believe that. I actually believe my Bible on purpose. Acts 20, 24. Talked about this a few weeks ago. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, nor do I care if they take my home and throw me out. I'm building another one across the road. I don't consider anything I have as dear to me. I don't consider that I own this or it's my possession. It doesn't belong to me. If I have anything, it's been the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God, and anything I do, I work with everything in me. And yet, not I, but the grace of God does it all. Does it all. I do it that I might finish my race with joy. What is it? The ministry which I have received in the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it? To testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Our testimony of the gospel of grace in this broken world will cause transformation. Only the grace of God can bring about this radical change that in our world so needs. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. I tell you, amazing grace, it's still amazing, and it's still transformative, and it'll still touch the world. You know, my, my brother had a, they don't know what it was, I shall have to give me the word again, and, but it, it's a word that basically says, we don't know what happened, but his heart broke, it literally just split open, and they, don't, they actually don't even know why, they can see what happened, but they're not sure why, but his heart literally broke, it just tore, And they're not even sure why it happened. It wasn't like a vein thing or this thing. It wasn't a blockage. It was a, it just, the the heart muscle tore open. And he's gone through this restoration, incredible. I mean, they had to put him on ice. They had to figure it out. They did all kinds of CAT scans, figured out if his brain was still working and everything was good. And I talked to him and he says, man, 11 days of my life are gone. I don't even know what was going on. But while he was there, he was pulling the tubes out of his mouth. They're having to sedate him. And he, he hates hospitals, just hates that stuff. But my sister-in-law, uh, she married into the Thomas family. But uh, on my phone there, I can show you all the texts. Every time she texted us to tell us how it was going, she said, fighting the Thomas way. And she finished every one, and I also went fighting the Thomas way. And I went, she got married into this clan, but she said, we're going to fight this the Thomas way. And I went, isn't that cool that Nancy, my sister-in-law, recognizes that we Thomases are a bit stubborn. We're a bit like, no stinking way. You know what, I'm going to live and not die. I don't know what this is, but I tell you, we're going to live around here. And she kept on saying up. I went, yeah. Every time I saw it, fighting the Thomas way, I went, yeah, fighting the Thomas way. You know, know, if you ever fought with the Thomases, you better bring your lunch, because this ain't over until we say so. You might knock me down a few times, but I'm getting up again. And you know what, this might not be over for a week, and watch your back, because I might come out of nowhere like Cato. I might drop kick you out of nowhere. It was just, you know what? We're fighting this the Thomas way. And I thought about that and I said, you know what? We're fighting this the Jesus way. We're fighting this the grace way. We're fighting this where, you know what? We're going we're gonna to humble ourselves and we're not going to be proud because he gives grace to the humble. We're going to serve. We're going to come under. We're, we're going to serve our community to life. We're going to serve them to life. We're going to love them to life. We're going to see so many transitions happen in our community. Engage the culture around us in a way that honors people, brings glory to God, and builds his kingdom. He even gets to the end. He talks about what's behind all of this. You're not fighting against people. It's not the people you see. It's not the talking heads on TV. That's not where the fight is. It says that resist him, resist the devil, resist him. You know, we submit to God, we resist the devil, he flees. I mean, boom, he's the one behind this, but resist him and stand fast in the faith. It's going to be a really good summer. It's going to be a really good summer. 1 Peter two fifteen to 17, from the message, it says, It is God's will that by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. Let me read that again, because there are fools out there that think Christianity is a danger to society. So those people who think Christianity is a danger to society, how do we confront that? How do we fight back the Thomas way? No, 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 fight, fight back the Jesus. How do we do that? It is God's will. That by doing good, you might cure the ignorance of the fools who think you're a danger to society. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God. Respect the government. Wow. It's going to be a good summer going to mess with a lot of stuff. We're going to mess with relationships, mess with a lot of things, but we're going to learn how to confront a broken culture, how to heal it, and how to bring restoration because Lord knows the world needs to experience some true grace because true grace works. Suffering, grace, glory. Let me say that again. Suffering, grace, glory. Suffering, grace, glory. yeah baby that's what it's all about you know we get that we get that well I tell you we can be a transformative people in this world because we are fully equipped by a wonderful father to bring transformation amen come on why don't you stand with me Jesus Jesus thank you Lord Well, Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Lord, we are so grateful. I mean, I, you chose me. I mean, I I wasn't smart enough to figure this out, but you chose me. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have set me apart. You have sanctified me through and through. Thank you that you've made me holy and useful in the hand of my Heavenly Father. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you sprinkled me with the blood of the new covenant that that declares clearly that I am righteous. And I thank you. That grace and peace cascade over me. They cascade over me. I'm always experiencing a deep, rich flow of your tangible love, your unmerited favor, and your blessing in my life. And because it overflows my life, freely I have received and freely I will give. Now just everybody pray and your heads are bowed. Listen, if you've never said... I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to be reconciled to my Heavenly Father. I want that today. I want to be welcomed into the family of God. If you've never done that, if you've never said, Jesus, I accept that what you did qualified me to be restored to my Father. If you've never done that and you want to do it today, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. And when I do that, if that's you right now, you feel, I want to be reconciled to my Father. If that's you, put up your hand really high so I can see it. You ready? Here it is. It's One, two, three. Put your hand way up so I can see it. Way up. Way up. Way up. Thank you. Way up. So I can see it. Anyone else? Bless you, Lord. Well, we're all going to pray. So you lift up your voice. Everybody's going to pray. You lift up your voice. We're going to pray this prayer. You ready, Lord Jesus? Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for restoring me. To my heavenly Father, I accept and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, testify with my spirit that I am a child of God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen amen. Well, we love you. Wednesday night, we got midweek service starting back up again. Tell you, it's time to get back to church, right? It's time to get on with this and get her going. So just invite lots of friends, and if the police come and get mad at us, uh, we'll give them some flowers or something. But you know what? We can have people. We can have 65, 70 people in on Wednesday night as well. So, uh, come on. It's time to connect. It's time for the community to do the community stuff. Time to shake off the pandemic. And it's time to get on with the purpose of God. Right? There's a lot of hungry, desperate people out there that are watching and they want to know, is there a community that can bring me out of this dark, messy cave? Is there anyone who can help me? And we want to be that community that's going to manifest life and hope for people. Amen? If you need prayer online, you can go online right now and there is a, a a card you can fill out if you're new. If you need prayer, you can go to a, a prayer room, just hit the red all access pass, and you'll go into a place where people are ready to pray for you. If you're in the house, there's people right now, right now on the blue line. You come up on the, sorry, they're on the yellow lines, the little And there's another yellow line. And if you come up, stand on the yellow line or or wait, and and somebody's going to pray for you. Don't leave here if you feel like there's something I need ministered to in my life. Don't don't come broken and leave broken because there's healing for you. There's a breakthrough for you. There's a touch for you. God wants to minister to you, and he set people apart to pray for you and minister to you today. So if you need prayer, we're ready to pray for you today as well. You ready? Can I bless you? Well, I bless this world. I bless this beautiful country. I thank you, Father, that you've placed us here. Just like you wrote to the people in Asia Minor, you wrote wrote to the people in Turkey, I thank you that you're writing a letter to the House of Canada. You're writing a letter to the people in Canada, and you're telling us that this is a wonderful nation, a nation that you've raised up to be powerful in these last days, a nation that the dominion of God is gonna be from coast to coast, and from sea to sea, and from the rivers to the ends of the earth, there's a revival gonna take place that's gonna shake and touch the world. And we thank you. We thank you for this summer, Lord. We thank you that we're going we're gonna to just baptize ourselves in 1 Peter. We're going to baptize ourselves in the revelation of 1 Peter. And we thank you that that grace is going to rise up, the true grace. And it's going to tangibly manifest in our life. And many souls are going to be saved. Many lives are going to be touched. Many people are going to be healed. And you're going to use us and give us great revelation about today and how we can change the culture we live in. So Father, bless these folks. I bless them with the love of the Father. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ cascade over them. And I pray right now in Jesus' precious name that the Holy Spirit would use you and take you and reach people in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Amen. Oh my goodness, it's 1143. I I thought it was 1115. Boy, time flies when you're preaching. (laughs) Well, love you guys. Bless you. Have an awesome day. So good to see you. Amen.